Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. I'm going to speak this morning on seven foundations for a strong family. Foundations for a strong family. I hope that it is of concern to you that your family be strong. This morning I was reading in Psalms, I read Psalm 115 through one, up to 120. That includes the 119th Psalm, the longest chapter of the Bible, 176 verses. And it says in the 119th Psalm, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It gives wisdom to the simple. Amazing verse. And so God says, I want to use this book right here to give you light, to give you wisdom, to give you understanding. That's one of the reasons why church is essential. Right? Talk about what's essential. Church is essential. That's why the Word of God is essential. Uh, we must have it in our life. We need it. Uh, the newspaper is not essential. We might want to know what's going on, but it's not essential. Church is essential, and the Bible is essential. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse number 24, we'll read down to verse 28, a very familiar passage. The Bible says this, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that rock, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. This morning I'm going to share with you what I believe are some foundations of a strong family. I want my family to remain strong. I used to tell my wife I was praying for 50 years in ministry and 50 years in marriage. And one day she said, what will you do with me then? I said, we will keep going, Lord willing, if the Lord allows us to. But you know, there's a lot of things that want to dig away at a marriage, that dig away at a church. Satan is a destroyer, which is why God's Word says, be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, like a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. He loves to rip up a family. Why is that? The family is God's plan. It's God's ideal. It's God's model. And Satan doesn't like that. So because of that, I think it's important that we have a strong foundation that we can stand on. The Bible has this statement. It says, and having done all to stand. And having done all to stand. Let's ask the Lord to help us before we begin this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, I ask your help again this morning. I know I've prayed about this. I know my wife's prayed. I'm sure that Brother Kim and Pastor Troy have all prayed. But we come again to you. We ask for your help. Lord, I acknowledge publicly that in this, as in all other things, I desire and need your help. The arm of flesh will fail us, but Lord, your arm fails not. 
What a wonderful thing to know that we can stand on and lean on your arm. Lord, I pray that I will emphasize that which I should emphasize this morning. I pray as we talk about the family today that it will be a help and a blessing and encouragement. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want you to know this evening in the service I'm going to speak on how to help your family to go on to greater victories. Would you like to have your family go on to greater victories? Be here tonight for the evening service. So if you have to decide between this morning and tonight, you come tonight. (laughs) But I'm glad you're here this morning as well. What are the foundations for a strong family? Number one, without a doubt, the foundation is prayer. Prayer. In James chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible says this. It says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The Bible tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. I would encourage you even now, if you have younger children, to pray for your children's future spouse. Pray for that. It's important. We need to think about that. Pray that God will hedge them about with protection. Pray that God will lead them not into temptation, but will deliver them from evil. We need to be people of prayer. Yesterday was a long day for me, and I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning and traveled through the day, flew from Portland to Sacramento to Burbank, and then we hit traffic leaving Burbank, got here about 15 minutes before the banquet. We were pretty tired last night. Before we went to sleep, we prayed. Went to bed about 11, got up at 6 this morning, but this morning I spent time praying. There's an amazing verse in Hebrews chapter 4, verse, verse 16 that says this. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace, that you might find mercy and grace to help in time of need. I need God's help. I desire God's help. So I need to pray and ask for it. Because we have not, because we ask not. Ladies and gentlemen, can I challenge you to be people of prayer? Be people of prayer. I do think that Koreans in general sometimes pray more than their counterparts. I know I was in a church in Korea that the hour before the service, there's no talking. There's no joking around. It's just quiet. And people are sitting there and they're praying for the service. That same church, that pastor, who's been there well over 50 years, still spends one entire night every week just in prayer. No sleeping, just prayer. God wants to hear his people pray. Our prayers are like incense in the nostrils of the Almighty, the Bible says. So come boldly. By the way, can I just point this out? It's to a throne of grace. Not a throne of wrath, but a throne of grace. We might find mercy and grace to help. Grace, grace, God's grace. How about amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. 
was blind, but now I see. His grace is amazing. Do you know in the early church, Christians greeted one another with the, with the greeting of grace to you? Grace to you. I wrote my mother-in-law a day or two ago and sent her a sympathy card. and said, I'm praying that you will have God's grace. Been married 73 years. I talked to her the day of the funeral. She said, I'm not used to being alone. But God's grace is sufficient. And his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So if we're going to have the family we ought to have, we must be people of prayer. We must be people of prayer. How should we pray? First of all, we should pray regularly. We should pray regularly. Ladies and gentlemen, that which gets scheduled gets done. That which gets scheduled gets done. Some people are very regular in their exercise, and I suppose that's good. Bodily exercise profiteth a little, all right? But how much more important to be regular in our exercise of prayer? Ron Hamilton wrote a great song called Bow the Knee. Powerful. We bow the knee. We need to pray regularly. I think of Daniel. They looked for some way they could attack him. But his life was a stellar life. They said, well, one thing maybe we could do is try to stop him from praying. And in a duplicitous matter, they went to the king and said, let's make a law that no one could pray to anyone except to you, king, for 30 days. And the king, full of pride, said, that would be good. But they knew Daniel would not obey that law. And the Bible says he prayed as his manner was. As his manner was. Parents, do our children know we pray for them? I texted my pastor last night and this morning. He said, I'm praying for you. We're having a big offering today. My wife and I gave her offering a few days ago. I texted my brother who's preaching today at my home church where I grew up, and he's flying to preach to 5,000 people the next three days in Pensacola, Florida. So I'm praying for you at this conference. I'm praying for you. Prayer matters. He texted, I'm praying for you today. I told him where I was at. And I said, I appreciate the prayer. I have a widow lady. I saw her about a week ago. She's in her 80s. I give her my preaching schedule. I travel a lot. And wherever I'm at, she says, I'll be praying for you while you're preaching. That's a blessing. Are you praying for your pastor? I thank you, Brother Choi, for supporting Jonathan and Lisa, who've now been in Thailand for 11 years. I'm, I'm grateful. And by the way, all of you who give to missions, I thank you for that. We ought to support missionaries. Missions is the heart of God. But when was the last time you emailed a missionary? Instead, I prayed for you. My Sunday school class has a missionary of the week every week. We put it up on the screen. I take a picture of my camera and we email this. You're our missionary of the week. If you have a smartphone, it takes you two minutes to encourage someone who's given their life in a foreign land. I personally email every missionary in our church. We have hundreds of them. I'll do seven or eight a week so I can get through them in a year. 
and say, I want you to know I prayed for you today. So many times said that was such an encouragement. Someone's actually praying for us. Pray regularly. Number two, pray offensively. Offensively. My friends, I want to say today that we are to be going forward for the cause of Christ. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Gates are defensive. The church is to be on the offensive. God tells us to occupy till he comes. I want my children to go forward for the cause of Christ. All three of my kids will be involved in church music this morning. I prayed this morning that God would use them in Thailand, in Oregon, in North Carolina. Go forward for the cause of Christ. Let's pray offensively. We ought to, thirdly, let us see, pray defensively. Pray defensively. The disciples in Gethsemane were told, pray that ye enter not into temptation. Have you ever thought about this, friends? That God did not teach the disciples how to preach. He taught them how to pray. In this matter, ought ye so to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We ought to be people of prayer. God wants to hear his people pray. So pray regularly, pray offensively, pray defensively. Pray intensely. Intensely. It says about the Lord Jesus Christ that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. I do not pray intensely enough. There's an evangelist who's very elderly now. He's up in his 80s. He was known for preaching on prayer. His name was Dr. Tom Williams. I was preaching in Montana. He he showed up to hear me preach. I should have been hearing him preach. I was probably in my 40s at that time, maybe early 50s. and I knew about his prayer life. I said, Dr. Williams, I said, I would like to come and pray with you tomorrow morning. It was a Monday morning. I didn't have a service on Monday. I said, what time... Do you start praying? I'll be there. He said, 4 o'clock in the morning. He said, we'll pray from 4 to 7. Wow. He said, bring the boys with you. I missed the boys. I said, I'm going to go pray with Dr. Williams at 4 in the morning. Who wants to go with me? And for the choice, no one wanted to go. I went and told Dr. Williams, guys don't really want to come, but I'll come. He said, well... What if we started at 6? I said, I'll make them come. To see a man who prays for the president every day. For every representative and every senator every day. God wants to hear his people pray. About a week ago, a dear saint of God by the name of Dr. Don Green passed away in his 90s. Dr. Green prayed for four hours every day. His prayer list was not several pages of prayer list. It was several inches of prayer list. Inches, like this. Now, it was a big print because his eyes were growing dim, as it says in Ecclesiastes. But I cannot tell you what a blessing it was when I would see a call from Michigan come my phone and say, Brother Mark... 
This is Brother Green. I just want you to know that I prayed for you today. Who is it that knows that you're praying for them? Oh, that our homes would be homes that would have prayer as a centerpiece. If you have children, pray with your children. Pray for your children. God wants to hear us pray. And then two more things. I touched on these last night. Pray with your children. Pray with them. I was preaching in Ohio a number of years ago. At least 15 years ago. And I was talking to a former student of mine. I'd been part of his ordination service over 25 years ago. His children were probably 10 and 8 or something like that. And we were having a good time talking and catching up on fellowship. I was spending the night in his home. And his wife, Laura, said to him, Jim, the children are going to bed now. He said, excuse me. He got up from me, his guest, the visiting preacher, and left for about 15 minutes. I said, were you praying with your children? He said, yes. I said, do you do that every night? He said, yes. Years have passed. Both of those children have now graduated from Bible college. And both of those children are faithfully serving God. I wonder how much of that was because their parents prayed with them and prayed for them. God wants his people to pray. So pray with your child and pray with your spouse. This is something my wife and I try to do every night. I was getting ready to go to sleep. Two nights ago, I was up in the Portland, Oregon area, and I was by myself. I thought my wife had already gone to bed because I started to call her. I actually woke her up one time, and I thought, I miss praying with my wife. It just puts a good cap on the day. Pray with her. Pray for your family. Pray that your family will walk with God and work for God. That your family life will count for the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray with your spouse. Number two, foundation of your family is to have standards. Standards. In Isaiah 62, verse 10, the Bible says, lift up a standard for the people. One songwriter says, hold the banner high. See the foe is nigh. We think of standards sometimes. We think about rules. And we ought to say, this is the way we're going to live. This May, I will turn 65. My wife will turn 67. My dad lifted up some standards for us in our home. He said, here's a standard. He said, Christians should not drink alcohol. Christians should not smoke. Christians should not take drugs. To God be the glory. As a man turning 65, I've never tasted alcohol. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never tried recreational pharmaceuticals. Because my parents lifted up a standard. I remember my dad showing pictures from Life magazine of lungs of smokers. They look like black chunks of coal. 
next to a pink, healthy lung. They would take it out of a non-smoker. Wow. My dad lifted up a standard. He took us boys down to Skid Row in Los Angeles and showed us the drunks lying in the gutter. I'll never forget, he found out where there was a place buying blood plasma. And you see these drunks stumbling in there to sell their own blood, walk out and go directly to a liquor store. And walk out with a brown bag of liquor, immediately start drinking as soon as they got in the sidewalk. My dad said, I was just maybe 10 or 12. He says, son, they won't show you that in the beer commercials. He lifted a standard. A standard. I believe that if you do not lift standards up for your children, their peers will set the standards for them. Or television or Netflix will set the standards for them. That's not where you want them to get their standards from. What they accept is okay in this world is almost never okay in the sight of God. When we have a standard of holiness, for God's word says, be ye holy as I am holy. It says, touch not the unclean thing. We need to ask God to help us to inculcate those things in the lives of our children. You say, well, children don't like to hear that. We need to explain to them these are guardrails, not prison bars. They're to keep them safe. You ever seen a little dog at a gate snapping and barking at a big Doberman pincher or a pit bull? Let me at him, let me at him. Are you kidding me? One bite, he would break him in half. Satan is on the other side of those standards. And young people here today, you listen to your parents. Obey your parents. Honor your parents. As you get older, you realize the wisdom that your parents have. You realize that they were trying to protect you. And until you have your own children, you will not fully understand that. But your bone to their bone, your flesh to their flesh. Follow the standards they give you. Foundation number three is involvement. Involvement. Involvement is knowing about your family. Involvement is interacting with your family. My dad was very busy. He was a senior pastor of a church that grew from 25 people to about 1,100 people. Sunday night was church night. Wednesday night was church. At four nights a week, he went soul winning. But Friday night was family night. We ate rather healthy in our family. Uh, we drank carrot juice and celery juice and beet juice. We ate salads. We did not have candy in our family. We ate carob. Horrible stuff. Horrible. It's not a good substitute. I like stevia and iced tea, but I don't like carob for chocolate. We had to eat a salad before we could eat our dinner. We had to drink this juice that looked like blood because it was carrot juice, but it had beet juice and celery in it because it was good for us. For breakfast, he would make eggnogs. There were seven children. My dad made breakfast. It was not good. It was one of three things. He'd make eggnog. He'd put brewer's yeast, protein powder, a little bit of honey, but it was horrible. I would try not to breathe as I would swallow it down. Or he would make whole wheat pancakes. They were heavy. It was like swallowing a discus. Boom. 
or he made one kind of cereal called millet. That was like eating cement that had been sitting for about an hour. It's good bird seed. It wasn't good cereal. But I'll tell you this. My dad prayed with us. He had devotions with us. He wouldn't go to away. We all played sports. He didn't go to away games. He had more important things. He'd come to our home games. But Friday night was family time. We maybe would make tacos. Once in a while, we would have a great treat. We'd bring soda in. We didn't usually drink soda in our family. The milk we got was from Altadena. It was non-pasteurized raw milk. You have to shake it up to mix the cream in. It was healthy. But he realized that he needed to spend time with his family. He was a busy man. Had a lot going on. I'm grateful that he was involved with us. I heard the story about a man who worked too much. You see, work can be your God. And I'm going to tell you, friends, the work is never done. This man would work six days a week. He would go to church on Sundays, but he just didn't have time for family. And finally, the time came when he told his little boy, he said, son, on a certain day, I'm going to spend Saturday with you. And the son was so excited. He gave the day. He put it on the calendar. It was like three weeks out and the boy was counting the day and counting the day and counting the day and finally the day came and the boy woke up without an alarm clock. This was the day his dad was going to spend with him. He's going to be involved with him. And he got up and ran into breakfast. There his dad was wearing his business suit with his briefcase. The boy saw that. He ran back to his room and you could hear glass breaking. Father looked up and the little boy came back in and holding his hand, he said, Dad, this is all the money in my piggy bank. It was $8.36. He said, if I give you all my money, will you stay home with me today? Will you be involved in the lives of our children? Be involved with them with their studies. Be involved with them with their activities. Know who their friends are. Know what they're reading and watching. I was preaching the Pacific Northwest and someone came and said, we are having problems with our son, would you talk to him? I said, well, I have an eight-hour drive tomorrow to where I was preaching on a Sunday. And I said, but if you want, I'll come and spend an hour with him. I'll be there at eight o'clock in the morning, but I'd like to spend some time alone with him and I'll seek to be of help to him. I didn't know him. And the next morning I went to his home. I said, I'd like to talk to your son. They said, well, why don't you go in your bedroom and talk to him. There's a desk. And I sat in the desk. He sat on the bed. And I was trying to break the ice. I said, what are your hobbies? He said, I like to read. I said, I love to read. I said, what do you like to read? He pointed over the side, he had stacks of books that were three or four feet high. They were by Stephen King and V.C. Andrews. Horror, macabre, occult. I said, are your parents fine with you reading that? I'll never forget what he said. They don't know what I'm reading. Wow. Those aren't good books to read. Think about things that are true, just, 
lovely, of good report. Think on these things. Be involved. Be involved with what's on their phone. Be involved. Know what's going on. Foundation number four. If our family is going to be the right kind of family, we're rearing the right kind of children, we must have training. Training. Train up a child the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 4. Can I just challenge you today, every adult here, read a chapter of Proverbs every day. I've read the Bible through cover to cover the last several years in a row, three years in a row. This year I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm reading Proverbs through every month, twice, and Psalms through every month. And just meditating. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all that getting, get understanding. I beg of you, see what God's Word has to say. I read that one verse about ten times this morning. And it challenged me. Because I've quoted the first part of the verse many times in Psalm 119. But I really wasn't aware, but I did not memorize the second part of the verse. Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. And then it says this, it giveth understanding unto the simple. Wow. Wow. And by the way, parents, adults, how many would like to have wisdom? Would you like to have wisdom? Would you raise your hand? You want to have wisdom? Can I tell you how to get wisdom? Number one, we ask God for it. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and it braideth not. Number two, the Word of God. The Word of God. It's available. Thirdly, by wise friends. He that walketh the wise man shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Fourthly, we learn from the reproofs of life. For whom the Lord loveth, he chaseth. In fact, he chaseth him be times. Do we learn from that? Or do we just keep doing the same thing over and over again? It was Einstein who said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for different results. It doesn't work that way. No. God wants us to train up our children. I heard about a mother who had trained her son well, and she was taking her child to the doctor's office, and he kept tugging on her skirt, and he said, Mommy, I'd like some money to go buy a soda. And she says, What do you say? He said, Mommy, you're thin and beautiful. He got the money for the soda. Can I say this? Are we teaching them and training them to walk with God? Uh, the best parenting, the best home building is proactive, not reactive. Brother Choi, in his decades of ministry, has had to try to put families back together. I have a former student of mine who pastored for decades who blew up his ministry, blew up his marriage. I try to be a friend to him. I try to text him. I pray for him. But he can never pastor again. He made a horrible mistake. 
So let's be proactive so that doesn't happen to us. Be careful. Be sober. Be vigilant. Effective trading involves repetition. Effective trading involves accountability. By the way, people will do what you inspect, not what you expect. If you have children, you know that's true with their homework. Effective training. Number five, I believe a foundation is community. Now, I do not agree with Hillary Clinton, who said it takes a village to raise a child. But I will say, godly influences will help you rear your family the right way. That's not at the bowling alley or the bingo, bingo hall. When I talk about community, I'm talking about church. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. I challenge you, be in church when the doors are open. Take time for that which is important. I was preaching in Portland Friday night. On a Friday night, there's probably 150 or 200 people there. I preached two messages. I preached a message. They had one song. I preached a second message. It started at 7 o'clock. We got out of there about 10.30 at night. Do our children know that we have time for that which is important? Church is essential. Come early to fellowship. You might have to stick around later because you can't get your car out. But, you know, <laughs> let these people be ones who will edify you and help you and encourage you. Pray for one another. Is there something I could pray with you about? The right community. Uh, be willing to get involved with others. Be open when others come to you. I heard one preacher say, well, my home, I believe in mystique. Pastor Chapel calls that the mystique mistake. Good friends could be a help. They could be a strength. Number six, if we're going to have the right home, there is a foundation of direction. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 4 with me, if you will. Proverbs chapter 4. Look at verse 20 through 22. And then down to verse 25 to 27. Proverbs 4, beginning in verse 20, the Bible says this. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Look down at verse 25, same chapter. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. And let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Would these not be great theme verses for our family? We're on an upward journey to a city whose ruler and builder is God, the celestial kingdom. Don't be distracted. Don't get off the path. Keep on keeping on. Direction. We need to help our children to have the right direction as far as their identity. God made them either male or female. You don't choose what you are. God chose you before you were ever born. 
We need to teach this. It's important. Boy, do we need to teach that today. Character. How does your child respond to authority? Obey those that have the rule of you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls and they that must give an account. Do they give honor to whom honor is due? In our family, we taught our children to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. To stand up when an adult enter the room. Pastor Troy, how old are you? You just turned 70. Pastor Troy is six years older than me. When he walked up to me, I stood. Give honor to whom honor is due. It's the right thing. Are we teaching our children the right situation as far as character? To be honest, to tell the truth. Are we teaching them to work hard? Pastor Chapel has told me for years the scourge of the ministry is laziness. The Bible says, work for the night is coming. Night cometh when no man can work. Are we teaching people to work? To give eight hours work for eight hours pay. I believe the Korean culture is better at that than some of the American culture. But folks, hard work is not natural. We need to teach that to our kids. Then let me say this, we need to give them a reason to live. What is their reason to live? Can we get that? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Not live for amusement, not live for sports, not live for money. But to live to bring honor to God. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he's done for you. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. Are we teaching them to honor God and to serve God, to have a reason to live? Then finally, number seven, the last foundation I want to share with you this morning for our family is perseverance. Perseverance. If you'll flip over to the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12 with me, if you would. Hebrews chapter 12. Sometimes we get disappointed. We say our children are not perfect. By the way, the goal should be progress, not perfection. We want them to grow with the nurture and admission of the Lord. In Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says this. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight of the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I'm glad my wife is patient with me. I hope I'm patient with her. It's a little harder sometimes to be patient with teenagers. But God's word said, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We are empty nesters. Our youngest child is 29. You say, what it's like to be an empty nester? It's wonderful. (laughs) Less stress. But you know what? You never get done with your children. You think about them. You worry about them. You pray for them. You try to share things with them. Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is set down at the right hand of the Father. Let's lay aside the weights and run with patience the race that is set before us. Your race is your family. My race is my family. Let's run it with patience and seek to have a family that brings honor to God. You will get tired. You will experience pain. Sometimes the ones you sacrificed for, your children, will do things and say things that might hurt you and grieve you. By the way, that should not surprise you. For God's word says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. It's to be expected. Proverbs 22, verse 15. But God tells us what to do. He says, grow not weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap if you faint not. I do not know a lot of folks here today. But I close by saying this. You can never have the right family if God is not the center of your life and the center of your home. It's impossible. We can't do it by ourselves. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation time. And if perchance you do not know for sure you're on your way to heaven, today is the day of salvation. In just a few minutes, we can take the Bible and show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says, These things have I written that ye may know that ye have eternal life. What a wonderful thing to know. Know it. So you can, if you don't know, settle it today. A man will take a man and go to another room in just a few minutes. I'll show you how you can know for sure. And a lady can take a lady. But secondly, maybe this morning, some of you say, with God's help, I want to work at having strong foundations in my family. And maybe as a husband and wife, you want to come and pray together and ask God to help your family foundations to be strong. You do what God wants you to do.